Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister, an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. In this episode of Behind the Yellow Tape, I speak with Gillian Gilsonen, and Jill has quite an experience of and in the criminal justice system. And she is here to tell us all about this experience. Hello, Jill, and welcome to the program. Now, we're going to get right into it in a moment, but let's start from the very beginning. Tell us about your background. Hi, Joanna, and um, thanks for having me. Um, to go back a bit, so I grew up, grew up in a, a large family, um, single parent, large family um, in North London. Um, we, uh, I, at the age of 18, I became um, a qualified nanny. I didn't do too good in school. I became a qualified nanny. I took myself to college and life was looking great. Um, unfortunately, in 2004, I would have been 23 and my mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer, which kind of turned my world, everyone's world upside down. Um, she had about a year to live. Um, subsequent to that, my mother passed away. Uh, we lost the family home that we were living in, all of us, all my siblings, um, and I ended up living, uh, moving in with my partner at the time. Um, I'd lost, I well, I left my job. I couldn't cope with my job and my mum passing away at the same time. Obviously, working with children, I couldn't concentrate. I just couldn't do it. So I took myself away. Unfortunately, I did meet my ex at the time, moved in with him. Um, a year later, ended up in um, a South American prison um, for trafficking drugs with my ex-partner then. So how, how did that come about? Um, well, I'm as I said, so I moved in with him. He actually had three young sons. Their mother had passed away some years back. Um, so I joined their family. I became sort of mother, um, took them to school, fed them, just did everything as a mother did at, at such a young age. And I had it in me anyway as being a nanny, so it was second nature. Um, and he had a lifestyle behind him that I wasn't aware of. Um, so there were holidays. He was going on holidays, what I thought were holidays. I was back with the kids. And then there was a time where I was asked to go on the holiday. And um, we went on the holiday and we never came back. Oh. So what happened? Um, my ex-partner was um, smuggled, attempted to smuggle drugs from one country to another whilst it, with me. And um, in effect, it didn't work. So um, We were caught at, I'd say we were caught at uh, Caracas Airport in Venezuela. Um, I wasn't even sure where we were going. I knew we were going somewhere in Europe. Um, and then later, obviously, we were there and they it was a very, very muddled thing. I won't go into that. It was very muddled, but ended up getting taken to um, a prison on the Isla of Margarita, which is just off of um, 
from Venezuela. It's, a, it's an island by itself and it's a prison. It's a man's prison. Yeah, can and I ask, Jill, can I ask you, so was this the first time you'd been yes. on this holiday? This was the first time, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've ne never actually had a holiday before that, a normal holiday. So I don't know what a normal, like, you know, we come from quite a poor background. So we didn't have, we had, we had holidays to the beach, but never yeah. abroad. Nothing so exotic as going to Venezuela. No. no. <laughs> no. Um, so we, as I say, so we both got, we both was taken to um, the army barracks for a few days and then we were taken to um, a, the prison, which was a man's prison, um, which held about 2,000 men to about 60 women. Um, and that's where we stayed. I need, uh, it's kind of third world. Um, we didn't have beds. We didn't have showers. We didn't have daily food, regular food. We needed to cook ourselves. We slept on the floor. We washed from buckets. And whatever we, 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 we whatever I did, I had to wash his clothes, cook for him and send it over. Just, just, the way of life it is over there. Um, two two years later, I mean, he put his hands up. He said, "There's nothing to do with me because there was nothing in my bags. There was nothing to do with me." But he put his hands up and said, "It's all." But that doesn't matter out there. That doesn't matter. So um, we were taken to court a numerous times, seventeen times, in fact, seventeen times we were taken to their court, and seventeen times we were sent back to the prison called Deferio. In what we say in England, I don't. What do we say in England? I don't know. Uh, uh, did, did you uh, did you have access to legal representatives? Did you have lawyers helping you? I did at, at first. Yes, we had the English embassy come straight away. Well, well, within within a few days of being in the prison. Um, the, the, the funny the the, the, the the funny thing was, whereas my partner was dual nationality Spanish, but he he was born in England, lived here his whole life. But where we had dual nationality, the Venezuelans um, only accepted him as a Spanish person. So he had a Spanish consulate and I had the English consulate, which made it, you know, it worked out well in the end. But at the time it was like, well, this is not right. It's not Spanish, it's English. You need to help us both. So I was kind of going against them, whereas they wouldn't help my partner at the time. Yeah. So I was still cloudy eyed. Yeah. Pink rose grasses, whatever. And in a, in a place where I'd never seen before, I needed him next to me. He spoke the lingo. He spoke the language. Yeah. Um, so yes, I had legal representation. I had a lovely Spanish um, lawyer, Maria, I still remember her, um, Rodriguez. And um, she tried, but it doesn't matter. You can try all you like. And then two years, two years later, eventually the judge saw us. And by then we knew that there's no point in me saying I'm not guilty because I would have got more time than my ex-partner. Did you do eight years? I did three and a half in Venezuela and then one and a half here. Oh, right. So five in all. Yeah, yeah. It would have been more, but the, the way they work it out in Venezuela is could you, you can work within the prison because it's like a world in the prison, yeah? So you find a job, you cook, you clean, you make toys, you do whatever you can because there's cash flowing, yeah? It, in the prison, there's shop, like a little tuck shop, and you, if you wanted food, you'd have to rely on the locals to bring it in for you. Yep, so you had to befriend the locals, befriend the people in the prison, befriend, befriend them, the Venezuelans, to get your food brought in so you can eat. So um, you, so did you have visitors? Did you have visitors in while you were there? Well, this was the turning point. So the English consulate, he offered to repatriate me. 
But like I said previously, I was still angry that they wouldn't see my partner at the time as an English citizen as he was. Is, yeah? And every time he walked through past my ex-partner, he comes to me, brings my bits and bobs, and and I just was so angry with that, that that they, they and all my English concerts said, we can't do anything about it, it's the choice that they, the Venezuelans have made. All right, well, I'm not coming home, fine. So I've got my head in. There's a thing out in Venezuela called Sacramento. It means you can, you, you earn your way out of the prison, you work, you come back on the grounds at night. A little bit like we have here, you know. Like, like an open prison sort of yeah. thing, yeah. So they have a little apartments outside the prison where are lax, a little bit more lax than the, the four walls of surrounding that ginormous prison that I was in. And I thought, you know what? And I, as I said, so I declined twice. And when we go back to, did I have a visitor? So on the third year, my sister and her partner and her young daughter that I'd never met, my niece, came to Venezuela. And the visit was booked and the minute I saw my sister and the, cause I'd shut myself off from normal way of life and adapted to their way of life. And that was it. You have to, otherwise you cannot survive. Mm. So you go with it. And I saw my sister and, and, and very cleverly, the concert was very clever because they wasn't due that week. My sister was there for two weeks. They, my concert was not due at all. I knew that cause they come every three months. And, um, my sister had visited me and gone she'd visited me and gone during that time and i remember being called they'd call me inglesia english yeah that's how they shout you english <laughs> your concert's here i'm like oh well, he's not jew what's barry doing here and uh, he sat me down in the garden and he said i want to give you one more chance to go home is it the third time and i said yes i just said yes he said are you sure I said, just give me the paper and I'll sign it. You don't want to speak to Joe? No, I don't want to speak to Joe. I just want to sign that paper and I'll go home. Because see, my family brought me back to reality. It's like, yeah, just wanted to go home. I said, so what happens before I sign it? I said, what happens when I go home? He said to me, well, you'll spend a few nights in um, Holloway prison. Um, I was like, okay, that's fine. And then you'll be released and, and then so forth. Well, okay, that's fine. Because, but bearing in mind, I already had my plans. I was already, I'd already had, I had a um, Garrett, like, um, I don't know how you say it in English out there, but I had somebody who was guaranteeing me the job, you know, being my guarantee. Do you see what I mean? I was nearly there. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to get a little bit outside and what have you. So I was still thinking, right, I've built all this up now and I, I don't want to particularly go home to England and then be locked up again. That's not, that's not what I want. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's completely two different prison styles. I don't know which one is one or the other, but um, he, so he promised me, he said, no, a few weeks. I said, okay, fine. And within six months, I was brought home by Interpol. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then what happened next? So I was brought, well, actually, they did take me to Caracas, to the mainland for a couple of nights into a woman's prison. Oh, completely different Ooh. obviously two another two different styles of prison completely is, is, is that better or worse um i do you know what i think to be honest with you i think it was worse because there was no um i i, I was used to being in um 100 degrees all year round we were just on the equator yeah 
Not not the sort of sun you can sunbathe in, too hot. Yeah, too hot. But we had greenery, we had a garden, we had places to sit. If we wanted to be tranquil, if we wanted to be, if, do you know what I mean? We were just left to do our stuff. And the, the first prison I was in, the, the, the prisoners controlled the prison, not the guards. Wow. Yeah. So the prisoners chose where where I was in the man's prison. They chose what what grows. They 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 make the rules. We just had the soldiers on the um you know the towers on the outside. Yeah. yeah. But there weren't no prison guards. We had two lady guards for our bit, just to, you know. But that was it. They the men ruled the prison. They were set in three gangs, and there were three bosses, and there was, you know, it was madness, mm, crazy mm, deaths mm. all the time. You it's not normal not to see someone die or. And you know, and and over there, when someone dies, you don't. There's no, there's no extra time for that person that committed the murder or this crime. It, uh, the person would just get chucked into the mountains. Very, 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 very um, out there. So the Caracas, the Caracas ladies' prison was all manded. Yeah, officers everywhere, all closed in, and it was freezing, absolutely freezing. I don't know how the women did it because there's no heat in there. I don't know if it's just because I came from all that heat all that time, but no, it was cold. I remember they put me into a little, a little room. I stayed there for two nights, and I got all all the all the stuff that I packed. I had it all out over me because it was absolutely freezing. Um, they stole most of my clothes anyway. The officers. Oh. <laughs> when Jenny came, my sister, she bought me loads of new stuff. Yeah, like yeah. clothes, some shoes, because I've been three and a half years, well, three years. Yeah. only what I had in my holiday suitcase. So, and I'd lost so much weight, nothing fit me. You know, I used to be chubby, really chubby little young girl. And I went to six stone. When I came back to England, I was six stone. Um, then Interpol brought me back. They did, they did. They took me to Holloway. They put me on the first night as unit, which was lovely. I had a bed, I had a carpet. Gorgeous, but I was still very, woof. You know what's and it was snow it was 2009 i think and we had really bad snow here really really bad snow but that wasn't the point i was still comfortable at holloway anyway two days later i get the non sheet under my door now bearing in mind what barry the concert had told me i didn't think i would be doing any extra time and non said you've got another year and a half no sorry two two and a half years oh. here in england mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I said, oh, well, that's right. I said, right, well, that's not what I was expecting. Um, and then I remembered the work that I did in Venezuela because when you do work, remember I said the work yes, I did, yeah. do, every, every two days you work in that prison, yeah, whether it be washing, cleaning, making toys, whatever, you get a day off your sentence. Oh. And I did that for two years. I worked, I yes. washed, I cleaned, yeah. um, I cooked. My ex-partner made toys, Disney toys out of wood, painted them, sold them on visits. Mm. You know, that's how we survived. And um, so this is, so this, I never ever thought would would happen. Mm. But I said, no, I I, I worked out there. I said, I I can't remember, I can't remember the word right now, Joanna, yeah? Because these words, they come and go, yeah? That's all right, no worries. But, um, I earned that. I earned all my days off. Mm. So when Noms told me I had two and a half years, 
I was like, no, I can't. That's just not right. I, I earned them days over mm. there and mm. I want them to come back over here with me. That's, that's right. If not yeah. going to let me out in a few weeks, fine. But I know that I've worked and that's the law over there and that will come back with me. And by God, within five weeks, they I can't believe it. The system actually sent it over to England and they took a year off my sentence. Wow, God. I can't believe, I can't believe when you see, if you saw the office in that prison, <laughs> they could even send a fax. <laughs> but it did, it came back and I got a year off. So I thought, right. And then um, after a few more days, I got moved to Downview and that's where I started settling. And Right. So how long did you do in total? So in, to- so in total in England, so a year and a half. A year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were quite, when I got to Downview, I was pleased that it was a single cell. Because I didn't really know what I, how to, what I was going to, how I was going to be with these people. I didn't know how I was going to act. Never mm. been in a British jail. I didn't have no problems. I never had any problems in Venezuela. I'm an easygoing person anyway. Mm. You have to just mm. adapt to how people are. And I did. So when we moved to Downview, I was happy that I had my own room. Because I was still adapting to this life. Um, mm. I had a lot of well, I'd say I had quite a few health problems because of my um, the way I had eaten my dietary over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you imagine when I'm eating things like you know potatoes now or toast mm. and stuff like that? And I just got I just got a little bit ill. That that passed. Um, the prison was really sympathetic towards me over here, uh, being where I was. Um, there was actually another girl in the. Um, in another wing, in the D wing, where the they call it the privileged wing, uh, and she was also in Venezuela. So they said, "Look, there's someone else here that's gone through the same thing as you. Would you like to speak to her?" And I was like, "Not now, but you know, I wasn't. That's my whatever." She was actually from um, South Africa, and she'd never been to England. But due to her dual nationality, they sent her back to England. She'd never even been there. So, yeah. Anywho. Um, very, very quickly, the prison put me um, to D-Wing, which was the resettlement wing. So very, very quickly, I was allowed out for day trips, mm-hmm. which really, really helped. Really helped in the fact that I like, hadn't seen like a street cars, things like that. You know, like it's just yeah, English yeah. life, you know, yeah. just normal life. Mm. Um, so... That went on. I started to volunteer in a um, a cafeteria in one of the local areas by Downview. So then I would go out in the day, come back, go out in the day, come back. I eventually actually got a job in the Holiday Inn in Sutton, which is the town next to Downview. Um, and that was a paid job. Oh, wow. It was New Year's Eve. And bearing in mind this hotel, yeah, and we were doing bar work. And our curfew was one minute to midnight. <laughs> we had a little bit of fun. We had one little drink each about nine o'clock. And then uh, we went back to, we wasn't drunk at all, but, you know, they did breathalyze us. Why we didn't think we, they wouldn't. <laughs> the girl in front of me, she went, oh, no, that's mouthwash. And I said, you know what? Yeah, I had a drink. I had a drink. What else can I say? I'm not going to deny it. You've just been breathalyzed. So I was then in for adjudication New Year's Day. Say, how did that impact on your sentence? What happened? It didn't. I got adjudicated the next day. So I was up before the governor New Year's Day. During the evening, during the, when I got back into my room, 
I'd written a long, long letter to the governor explaining, please do not let this hinder me. It was a silly, silly, silly little mistake. I, I put my hands up to it. I am so sorry. Like it was like a two A four pages, <laughs> you know? and I it quickly to um, one of the offices in the morning. I was like, give, "Please give that to the governor before I do He must have read it. Um, so I went before him. He said, "Right, well, you know, he couldn't give me special treatment. He had to take me off D wing. He had to set me off the privilege wing and put me on C block, which is the main." Yeah. Mm. I was like, "All right, cool. I can do that. It's no problem. It's my fault. I made a mistake. Normally, if you if you if you kicked off the wing you ain't going back in a hurry oh right yeah within two weeks i was back oh wow, wow. <laughs> yeah because i don't know i don't know and anyway didn't go back to the paid job the manager that the boss of the holiday inn actually written to the governor and apologized and said i am so sorry it was me that offered her the drink she was a really hard worker and even when she comes out of prison she's got a job here if she wants it so i thought that was really nice and i think that helped as well you know yes that's nice yeah really little mistake yeah but yeah so i did that i got back onto d-wing and um just waited then for my release um and that's where release was coming closer and i had nowhere to live how did you meet anis so obviously i was doing looking for the housing bit i, I approached my own borough and silly me I didn't know this stuff at the time, but when I approached them, I called them and um, well, I called them when I'm doing my, my outwork. So lunchtime, I'll call them. Went through everything. I lived there my whole life. All my siblings were there, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any mental health issues? I'm like, at the time, no. Um, what what sex, sexuality are you? I'm straight. Um, do you have any um, drug addictions? No. Um, so basically, I ticked none of the boxes. Oh, no, right. not that oh, right. yeah. yeah, I wasn't wise, and no one had said, Well, but right. then I was always honest and open anyway, so mm-hmm. I didn't have any of them problems. Um, and for that, I would I didn't even get a hostel chance for a hostel mm. within my so then I knew I was buggered. Then and I started looking so, what, upon your release. Where did authorities expect you to go? Well, they didn't, it wasn't really um, their problem. Oh, right. Yeah, it was just yeah. You have to go back on the bidding system. Mm. You know that's all it was. I did try. I did do that, but didn't even have enough points to even bid. So it was just a useless um, exercise. Um, I think I was actually thinking yesterday how I, because I was the last woman to be housed upon release by Vision because there was no more funding. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, and I was going towards St. Leaning towards St. Giles. Yeah. And I was listening, like people say, Oh yeah, St. Giles will meet you at the gate, they'll put you in a you know, a room and that, and then they'll help you find somewhere to live. Whereas I don't know, I can't do you know what? It all comes to me, but vision come vision I don't know how vision come across my path, but maybe because they're close by. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I've never met anyone connected to Anise. I'm just not sure. I'd have to think about that one. But they did, thank God. Mm. And I went with Vision. Yeah. And, um, and so I knew, and I hadn't really spoke. I'd spoke to my, my reception worker of, on the phone mm. a few times. And I was like, it's not going to happen. And I'm really anxious now thinking, you're not going to, as soon as I come out of here, you're not just going to find me a flat. You're not, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. How can that happen? They were like, just, just, just leave us, just, 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 you know, 
But all right, well, I'm coming out anyway, with or without accommodation. So I'm coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So I got to um, um, Vision Housing Office up in Carlshorton. Met Annie's, met my resettlement worker. Um, they assisted me. This is all in one day before probably five o'clock. They assisted me with um, obtaining a loan for my rent in advance for my studio. Um, it assisted me with that. Then we, we actually made our way down to uh, North London Tottenham is where my place was already there. Keys there, met the landlord, signed the tenancy agreement. Um, then took me to the local housing in Tottenham, assisted me with the housing benefit forms and then took me to the job center, assisted me with that. So like I say, there is, that was a lot of assistance. Good. Imagine I didn't have it. Yeah, good. So now you've been released and Mm -hmm. you've got a place to live. Yep. Have you got a job? No, haven't got a job. Um, I couldn't. I, would, I really appreciated the the, the offer of um, the manager in Sutton, but it would have been impossible for me to mm-hmm. go back to London to Sutton. Um, and obviously, I just come out of all jails, and I was just whoa, I wanted to see my family. I wanted to see the kids growing. Just wanted to just. I don't know what I wanted to do, but I was doing it. Mm-hmm. So for about. Anise did mention to me, um, the founder of Vision, like she must have seen something in me. She said, look, get yourself sorted together and stuff like that. And if you want to come volunteer with us, you know, the position's here anytime. I was like, oh, that's lovely. It went straight over my head (laughs) at the time because I was just in awe that I was out. I was Mm. free. Mm. Oh, they took me to probation as well. That's another thing. So... A few months went by. I was starting to learn how to use, how to live on the money that we were given um, from the government. So I would just, um, you know, so that's well, probably about £60 a week then, probably, maybe that. So making sure I've got my food, my bits, my bobs and that, and then I can get through one other week and another week. So I'm now I'm looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Now I'm looking for a job. How you normally look for a job, Yeah. So I'm um, doing everything the job center is telling me to do. Bearing in mind I was a nanny before, yeah? I couldn't, there's no point in me looking for a nanny job, yeah? No point. Although there, there are places out there that may assist you, but that's not, I'm not, I'm not, not gonna waste, not waste time, but right then and then, I wasn't gonna go through all that. I just needed a job. So, you know, old fashioned, I was getting job application forms. Yeah, a lot, it's only been 10 years, but a lot, has gone online right now. Back then, I was still getting application forms, requesting forms for the job, or and then it, and then it was like, do you tick the do you have a criminal record box? Well, I have to tick it. And you don't, and I never heard from anybody. But you know, in the old days, in the job centre, these have like leaflets, yeah, like little pamphlets. And every time you look for a job, you must mark down what you did, the, the outcome, the date, and so forth, or word of mouth, da, 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 and you fill them in. And I was generally doing them. Half of them, I like, just, oh, yeah, because well, well, there's only so much jobs you can look for in one day, yeah? And no response, nothing from anybody. Mm. So I thought, okay, all right, just carried on about my life for, for another month or so. And then I think I needed some information of something. So I decided to call um, Vision Housing. And 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 he said, "Where have you been?" I said, "Well, I've just been here." 
She said, uh, well, we've been trying to call you. I said, well, I changed my number. Cut long story short. She said, well, what are you still thinking about that volunteering for us? I was like, yes, let's do it. So they called me in. And at the time they were in Finsbury, they'd just got a new little office in Finsbury Park, which is just the stone throw away from where I was living. So happy days. I went for the interview, got the job. So I was volunteering three days a week as a, uh, a resettlement worker in North London, um, which was great. They gave me a fiver a day. I uh, to give me a fiver a day. That would do me lunch and me dinner. And I used to walk to work. <laughs> so it was happy days, you know. Um, within a year, I was employed as a full-time resettlement worker. Good. They, Yeah, and they helped me with the transition between uh, benefits and employment. Um, I had no idea, you know, even though I was a nanny, when I was younger, I was earning like 22, pa- 22 grand a year at the age of 18. And that's like 20, nearly 20, 22 years ago. That's quite a lot of money and, and to be living at mum's. Mm. So I, I, I didn't, not I wasn't rich, but I didn't, and I'm you living with mum. So I didn't know what, we struggle, but not struggle, struggle, like the way I did when I, and I struggle right now. Mm. I've never struggled more in my life than I am right now, to be honest. What have you learned from your experience? What What's come out of it for you? Um, a few things. Uh, never take anything for granted. Um, appreciate what you've got. Never judge. Never judge anybody. Never judge no one if you have no clue. Um, just uh, a, it opened my eyes up. Being out there opened my eyes up to a lot of things and then coming back with my eyes wide open just kept seeing more um and how how are you doing now um not so good not so good uh it, it went really um, I'm, as i said i got employed after a year i was then promoted to senior Man, uh, resettlement worker and it was kind of like the business was mine on the floor she trusted me with her life trusted me with her business and uh but due to it being a charity the rents was getting higher and the office kept having to move and move and move and move and in the end five years down the line they ended up in east Croydon, and it, the wage wasn't high because i was in it with my heart not for the wage and i couldn't manage it me and go, me outgoings was more than me and going so i had to make that brave step and um and, um, and move on. But, but but my jobs were only based on my job. You see, my next job was with a housing officer with estate agents I used to work in partnership with. That's how I got that job. And then my next job was based on my previous job. So in effect, Joanna, I never was brought in as a stranger and interviewed and got a job. I was brought in just because of me Mm-hmm. And them knowing my background, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I've never got a job going in as a stranger with a criminal background and getting mm-hmm. one or mm-hmm. even getting an interview. I was extremely lucky, by the way, the yeah. chain of events. Yeah. Now, yeah. Like two years now, two it's a year and a half now, I'm unemployed. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I had a little breakdown about a year and a half ago and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do, I was working with um, vulnerable women from prison at the time 
And um, it was just really hard. I couldn't do the, my, my personal life. I had a breakup, a breakdown, ended up in hospital. So it was all, you know, and then um, I decided, okay, fine. I want to go back to work because um, I'm a worker, worked my whole life. Um, um, so I thought something easy. Yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. you know. And then I went, um, I applied for this uh, cleaning job, which is a kind of self-employed. So you get to choose the areas, you get to choose your hours. Yeah. Um, but you're still working for a company. And when I filled out this form, there was a question, have you got a criminal record? And I said, yes, again. But I'll call in for an interview still. So I went in for the interview. Mm. In fact, I went to two. I had to get into North London. The two, they called one, and then they called back for the second interview. And um, I got the job. I started working. Good. My first house was a house down the road. It was a massive six-bedroom Victorian house. It took me six hours to clean it. <laughs> I cleaned it within four. <laughs> four was awful. He said, that's really, really great. He said, um, and don't worry, he said, I'll still pay you for the extra hours, whatever. I said, oh, no problem. The money goes to the company and the money take their cut and then they pay you. I was doing fine. And then what happened? I got a call one day. Hey, Miss Gilsenon, uh, we need you to come into the office. I was like, well, your office is in central London. It cost me money to go to your office. Can you not just please tell me over the telephone? Um, okay, so we, there's something we want to talk to you about. I said, what, what, what's that? And I get anxious and I think, well, I want to know what, what, no, no, it's best you come in. All right, we'll make an appointment. I said, no, 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 no. Could you just tell me now, please? Because honestly, I just want to know now. It, it, you know, I'm not waiting around to know if I've been sacked or what I've done something wrong. I know I've done, definitely done nothing wrong. She says, all right then. Okay, fine. It, it, it turns out you've got a criminal record. I said, yeah. You asked me on the application, do I have a criminal record? I said, yes. You invited me for interview twice and gave me the job. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not, not, I said, no, 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 no. You, I filled in your application online and the question was, criminal record or not? I said, yes, and you employed me. I said, no, this is wrong. I said, something's very wrong here. So just staff are obviously doing their job. That's not professional. I ticked the box, yes, and you still gave me the job, and now you're going to let me go for doing nothing wrong. And uh, another thing also turned, uh, she said, um, we're going to see the, the, the DB. Ah, that was it. She said, the, a DBS come back. I said, DBS? I said, I don't recall you saying anything about DBS. I recall you asking me for £45 from my first wage to cover any breakages that may occur during cleaning. I said, fine. No, that £45 went on a basic DBS. I said, you know what? I've got an enhanced DBS. I could have given you myself if you had said, if you'd asked, mm. if you'd have mentioned it. Mm. Um, so I'm not happy with you. I'm not happy with this at all. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to let you go. I said, okay. That's fine. Mm. You're very mm. unprofessional. Very unprofessional. Mm. Cannot be and, and I know what professionalism is. Yeah, because I was brought up in an office. I was brought up to work professional. Do and and that's not professional. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really, really took me back. It really mm. pumped me back down to the ground. Mm-hmm. I thought, if I can't even, not, nothing wrong with being a cleaner, but if I can't even clean, what other jobs are out there for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so I just thought, well, Oh, I can take this further, I'll just leave it. I didn't have the energy to take it further. Right, yeah, yeah. So how do you spend your time now? Well, obviously, um, pandemic, we've all spent much time indoors. Of course, yeah. But now it's coming out and I'm starting to feel a little bit strange now because it's not lockdown anymore. It's getting easier Mm -hmm. and I'm still feeling like I'm isolated. To be honest with you, that's how I feel right now. I don't know if it's just the day or it's the week, but I can feel everyone's going back out there and doing the stuff, and I've got enough. I, I, I'm I'm stuck here still. Mm. Um, so when when we're out of lockdown, when according to the government's roadmap, yeah, will you be because you do seem to me. Um, you have a fighting spirit. Um, so will you be going out there to find something? that you'd want to do? Yeah, um, I'd, I want to go back into hotel work, actually. Because mm. that was, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that and I, I know I'm good at it. And um, it's a nice job to be able to do your job, make sure you do it right. And then when you clock off, you clock off. You're not actually dealing with human beings because I don't think I could actually do that again because it's my own mental state. Mm. I don't think I've addressed what I've seen or what I've been through in my life. I've never addressed it. I've never kind of had any real you know, therapy or counselling because you just, just, you know, yeah. get on with things, you know? Yeah. But I just think it all came to a halt. So I re- so I think to myself, dealing with humans, I think it was just, a, I've done enough, like I can't because I've got my own problems. Something. So by doing that sort of work, I'm getting back out there. My confidence will come back. That's all I want. That's just all I want. Just, be, just go back into a normal kind of work life. And if I struggle, I struggle. But like this, I can't live. Mm. I can't live like this. Yeah. I don't know how anyone could live like this. Yeah. Well, Jill, it was great talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. And I wish you all the best. Thanks for listening. Join us on our next episode for more fascinating and interesting matters that go on behind the yellow tape. Till then, you can keep in touch by emailing info at btytpodcast.com. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.